This is Jocko Podcast number 371 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. We are what we pretend to be, so we must be careful of what we pretend to be. There's a little quote from Kurt Vonnegut, one of my favorite authors. Eh, look, I, that's kind of a weird thing to say because I don't have like this big list of favorite authors, sir. but he's one of the authors that I actually do really like a lot. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut, born and raised in Indianapolis, went to Cornell University, got kicked out of ROTC because he had bad grades and he was a little over the top with his satire in the school newspaper. So that kind of tells you what kind of a dude he was. Mm-hmm. But then he, he didn't want to get drafted, so he withdrew from college to go get uh, enlisted in the Army. 1943, got captured during the Battle of the Bulge, prisoner of war in Dresden. Of course, this is, this, I'm just giving you a basic background if you don't know this stuff. While he was a prisoner of war in Dresden, Dresden got firebombed by the Allied forces, 25,000 civilians were killed and the place was just a wasteland. And he had survived, they were being held as prisoners of war in this slaughterhouse and he went into like the meat locker of the slaughterhouse, which is where the book Slaughterhouse Five comes from. Anyways, he survives the war, becomes a reporter, wrote a bunch of really good books, very funny, Dark Humor, uh, Cat's Cradle book, Welcome to the Monkey House, Slaughterhouse Five, which I already talked about. But this quote that he he gave, which is, we are what we pretend to be, so we must be careful of what we pretend to be. It reminds me of this idea that we've been talking about for the last two podcasts, and if you haven't listened to podcasts 369 and 370, then just stop and go listen to those first and then catch up here. But we've been talking about this idea of the game. And there's multiple games, and you can go get that information from those other two podcasts. Also kind of reminded me of this idea of Sam Harris and I were talking one time, and he said, you can't pretend to be brave. Because if you're scared, and you're like, well, I'm really scared, but I'm going to pretend to be brave. Well, And then you go and do brave stuff. Well, you're not just pretending. You're actually brave. But... We ha- so that's kind of along the same lines somewhat as be careful what you're pretending to be because that's what you are. And that's reminded me of what we've been talking about. You have to be careful of what game or what games you play because you can quite possibly become those games. More importantly, the game that you play can become your life. So... We did those last two podcasts about this, 369, 370, and we were getting a bunch of feedback and questions and comments and whatnot, and so I reached out on social media on the, on the interwebs to get some, get some of those questions, get some of that feedback on those two podcasts, and I want to go through those now just because a bunch of people want, you know, we had, had some stones we didn't turn over yet, had some angles we hadn't seen. So first one, out of the gate from Sarah Armstrong. What's up, Sarah Armstrong? She said, observation. If your win involves the participation of other people, make sure you are not setting yourself up for disappointment by setting unrealistic expectations for others. Mm. Yes, this is true. This is factual. We did an early podcast where I talked about the fact that I don't have a bunch of high expectations for other people. Yeah. 
because if you set other people with a bunch of high expectations, you're counting on them, it's, there's a decent chance you're gonna get let down. Yeah. And why do that? Why not take ownership of what's going on yourself? So that's my recommendation. And Sarah Armstrong is right here. We can't, you can't count on others. You, look, they can be part of the plan, but you better have a backup. And you better, you better not have a single point of failure be relying on some other human because you're, there's a decent chance you're setting yourself up, as Sarah says, for disappointment. So don't expect too much, if anything, from others. Someone else, next one. This is from, from Bizzle Fitness. I don't know if I'm gonna cover all these weird uh, handles Hell yeah. <laughs> that people have, different call signs. Uh, really enjoyed these last two. I'd like to hear your thoughts on two related aspects to this. Pitfalls and opportunity costs, that's number one, and two, balancing multiple games. Easy example, the folks that get old and either wish they had worked less or spent more time with their family or those on other extreme who wish they had done more with their lives. Yep, there you go. So first, for the pitfalls and opportunity costs. And as I went through these, we're gonna come into, we're gonna start hitting into a common theme in a lot of these questions, and that is, Investment and return on investment, right? So a pitfall in any game that you play is you can lose. So when you get on the field or you engage in a game, there's a chance you're gonna lose. So what that means is you have to be careful with what you invest into that game. And you have to hedge your bets and you have to have contingency plans. Now what's interesting about this is like the whole idea of like 100% commitment, mm. which is sort of a, like, do you hear this about SEAL training? Like you have to have no backup plan or officer and a gentleman, you know, officer and gentleman? The I got no place to go, I got no yeah, place, yeah. I got nothing else. Hell yeah. That's kind of a positive thing. Like I have no backup plan. Oh, I'm gonna start a business mm. and I'm just, I'm putting everything, every, every penny I have into it. Mm. And if it fails, I'm just done. I'm gonna be in the streets, mm. right? Yeah. And therefore I'm gonna go extra hard to make it work. If you have to do that to yourself psychologically, okay. Mm. If you don't have to do that to yourself psychologically and you can set yourself up to have a backup plan if your primary plan, like SEAL training, there's a decent chance that you're not gonna make it through it because you got hurt, because you got injured, because you got sick, because you didn't, you thought you were tougher than you are and you quit. Mm. All those things happen, they happen to 80% of the people that go there. Mm. So having a backup plan, as long as you don't use that as your out. Now look, if you're gonna use that as your out, yeah, it's gonna let you down. If you're gonna work hard in your business, but at the end of the day, you're like, you know what, I can still just go back to my old job and I still have my house, so I'm just gonna go back to my old job and go move back and, and just continue on. Mm -hmm. As opposed to being like, no, I'm gonna gut through it because I have no nowhere else to go. Mm. You can see the dichotomy there. Yeah. I would hope that you have the internal fortitude to push on and not just hit the escape hatch when yeah. <laughs> it comes up, right? Yeah. What did I heard some weird experiment I forget where I heard it. Like they were drowning. Was this at Jordan Peterson the other night? They were drowning. If you take a chicken or they or a rabbit or something, and they would drown it. And oh, 
they would hold it, they would make it tread water, that's what it was. They would make a rabbit tread water. Mm. And I, I, I heard this on a podcast or something. I think it, I think it, I, anyways, I heard it on a podcast. You take the, the rabbit and you put it in the water, or a rat, I think it was a rat. You put it in the rat in the water and it can tread water and it treads water trying to live, trying to live, trying to live. And then right as it goes under for the last time, you pull it out of the water. Mm. And that takes about 15 minutes. Damn. And then if you do it with those same rats again, they'll tread water for like, it was something like 60 hours. <laughs> because they think at any minute, they're uh, gonna get pulled out of the water. Dang. But if you take a fresh rat, it's still only gonna make it 15 minutes. Mm. Damn. So if you, if you have the type of personality where you're just gonna give up, and go back to the easy way, then I get it. You know, like don't maybe you don't have a, a backup plan because you want to trap yourself where you have to keep going forward. Mm. That's a real thing, man. That's a real thing. Wait, so that rat experiment, mm-hmm. what did that what was that conclusion there that like if, the conclusion if, if you was, got some hope, hope, you're just gonna hang on hope. for till yeah. Hope will make you hang on. Damn. Hope will make you hang on. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but so, it totally makes sense, right? Yeah, and almost at the same time, which is like equally, if not more significant, the lack of hope will make you just be like, "Hey, I'm kind of done." Ten you know, minutes, like, bro. Like there, there ain't no getting out of this. Yeah, like you literally have plenty <laughs> of energy yeah. left to stick it out for right. you know however long, but the lack of hope just pushes you right under. Yep. Damn. So, uh, to be honest with you, my my lean is towards like, yeah, you should have contingency plans. You should have backup plans. You should hedge your bets. You should say, oh yeah, I'm gonna try this new business, but I'm not gonna quit my old job until I've got it up and running. Mm-hmm. Now there's probably a subset of people that can't do that. Yeah. And they're like the rat that just is gonna give up after 15 minutes, yeah. you know what I mean? And they're just done. Yeah, don't you feel that like, if you do, if you draw the parallel, like where is someone, I don't know, what, what were you talking about? Like starting a business? Starting a business. Okay, oh yeah, we'll I wanna to- leave my job. I'm gonna start a new business. Yeah, so basically the equivalent kind of, I guess, in a way is, yeah, you, you start your new business, you buy the website. It's the first step. Get that the URL. Get the URL. And then, you know, you start it in whatever way, <clears throat> but you hit a roadblock so hardcore that you don't have that hope. You do, literally don't see it going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like literally in your mind, regardless of how it would, you know, like that'll, that'll kind of do the same thing as like, oh yeah, just drowned. Just, I'm just going to drown myself because yeah. I lost the hope, just done. you know, rather than, oh, this is just getting really hard or, or, you know, this obstacle is like, it's big and I don't have the energy, you know, it's more about, yeah. oh yeah, I, lo- I don't see it going but anywhere. if you already quit your other job, yeah. then maybe that pushes you, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe you have, you, you have no other choice. It's a little bit different because it's like you have yeah. no other choice. It's not right. about hope anymore. It's yeah. like you have to yeah, hang on. what else are you going to do? Yeah. So I get it. That is a pitfall, is the pitfall of all these different games is if you play these games, you can lose. And that means you need to, in my opinion, don't overinvest. This is why we have the iterative decision-making program process this is why we make little steps we don't just go you know what i want to start my own business quit my job give up my health insurance for my family mm-hmm. can't pay the rent next month whatever but i'm going to start my new i'm selling widgets we're going to go for it mm-hmm. and you're going to work hard to sell those widgets because you got a family feed and you want to pay your mortgage but guess what there's a chance that that thing just was a bad plan mm-hmm. and no one wants your stupid widgets <laughs> and now you're out of a job you don't have health insurance for your kids so why not take iterative steps mm-hmm. um the other thing is the opportunity cost for sure. How much can you invest in winning 
a game, right? How much can you actually afford? What And then what's the ROI? When you're playing this game instead of that game, what's the ROI on the game that you choose? Yeah. And is it worth it? What if you win that game? What if you lose that game? You have to track risk and you have to track ROI. There, this is stuff that you need to think about. You need to think about the risk in the game and what the ROI is should you win and then what the cost is should you lose. And this is to do with anything. Look, we're, we're talking about the game. This is anything. Anything that you are planning on doing. You planning on getting in a relationship? Okay, cool. What's the ROI? What's the risk? Oh, she comes from a great background. She's got a squared away education. She comes from a stable family. She's got a very even temperament. Okay, cool. That sounds pretty positive. When you start seeing red flags in there, now you start saying, okay, well, there's some risk here. There's some risk there. So think about those things and make logical decisions. But when you make logical decisions, you still have to put emotions into the calculus. Because if you're doing, if you're, if you're going to start this new business and you're totally passionate about it and you love it, and you might make less money, but you're, you love doing it, that might be better than you. You're making more money, but you hate your freaking life. Mm-hmm. You hate your job twelve hours a day. You hate. So you have to take emotions and put them into the calculus. So there you go. The the other question there was how to balance multiple games that we're all playing. We'll prioritize and execute, right? And again, what's the ROI and the risk per game in all these different games? There's some games that you really have to pay attention to. What do you want? What do you actually want? What is actually going to give you fulfillment? And you can't lie to yourself. Because there's people that lie to themselves mm-hmm. about what's going to make them happy. About what is going to give them fulfillment. And if you lie to yourself th- for throughout your life, that's when you end up on your deathbed. To the, again, going back to Bizzle Fitness's question. That's when you go to your deathbed and you're like, man, I didn't care about all this money. Or man, I didn't care about what, you know, this uh, going up the chain of command in some in the military or in some company or yeah. getting, you know, I invested all my time into jujitsu and like I knew I wasn't gonna be a champion. I wasted all, whatever. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Seems like a hard one to, <laughs> the jujitsu one, but, but you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's true. There's people that, there's people that reach a point in jujitsu where they're like, oh, you know, I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. Yeah, fully. And I guess it, with jujitsu, I felt like, and there's, I went through mental stuff like that too, where, I felt like the whole reason that I liked jujitsu is like to be able to get into a competition, like in almost like like a combat sport and Mm -hmm. win. It made me feel good about myself kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And then after like a few, you know, like years of competing with the psychological reveal, (laughs) (laughs) but after years of competing and then when I got into like my career Mm -hmm. and then eventually kind of got married or whatever, I was like, wait. You kind of got married? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give you a chance to say that correctly so that we don't get any grief from the person that you kind of got married to. (laughs) 
No, I was gonna say, I kind of got um, other responsibilities, so to speak. Even <laughs> though like jujitsu is a responsibility, that's why I say kinda. Anyway, you get married, you start having like kids and stuff. It puts it into perspective. Like, hey, sure, you, I, I'm always gonna go to jujitsu, but why don't I feel the same way? And I'm like, oh wait, it puts it into perspective. There are more important things than winning jujitsu tournaments. Mm-hmm. So you looked at the <clears throat> ROI yeah, exactly. of yeah. you know training seven days a week, three hours a day. And you and the and the ROI of investing time and effort into your family, and the ROI of investing time and effort into your career, mm-hmm. and this is exactly what we're talking about. You had to prioritize and execute. You know what? Seven days a week, three hours a day, and my ROI on that is I'll feel good about a competition. Yeah. But the ROI of investing in my career is I can get money, I can get stability, I can take care of my family. And by the way, that's the other thing. My family, there's the ROI of you know raising my kids and the smile on my wife's face, all those things, and you weigh those out, and you are honest with yourself, mm-hmm. and you prioritize those things in the correct way, so that when you're on your deathbed, you're not like, man, I really wish I would've trained jiu-jitsu more, yeah. or you're like, w- boy, I'm glad I won that tournament. Yeah. You know, even though my wife left me, yeah. and my kids don't know me, I'm really happy I won that tournament, and I got a coral belt in jiu-jitsu when I was 68. <laughs> yeah. yeah that was that was kind of the thought really where yeah. it but you went through this you went through this with your uh with with these things in your life you actually did this protocol yeah. and we talked about this we talked about that being honest with yourself that was sort of the underlying theme of i, th- I think 370 the the last one was like you have to be honest with yourself yeah. about these games yeah. and in this podcast as I read through these questions the specific thing is you need to be honest yourself about the investment you're willing to make and what the return is and is it worth it and is it what you really want because if it's not you know I've seen this happen with fighters too like fighters reach a certain point where they say you know what I mean like I just I'm I I don't want to do eight-week camps where I can't see my family and God or whatever happens yeah. with people in the military. They're like, you know what? I I've done my ten years. I'm not committed to the job anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. And they yeah. get out and they move on to something else. The yeah. ROI. They have to be honest with themselves. I've also seen people lie to themselves yeah. about these types of things. Mm-hmm. And by the time they get out of the military, they realize that they were pursuing something because they were basically caught in that egg ecosystem. We yeah. t- we talked yeah. about that on one of the other podcasts. It's like, and, man, that's so true. The other thing that weighs into this, like, just to just to kind of get precise on what you just said, you knew you actually weren't going to be better than everyone at jujitsu. You weren't you weren't going to yeah. be the world champion. No, you were going to be good. You're going to be good at a particular. You'd be in the top three or five in in a gym. You weren't going to be the number one, even in that particular yeah. gym, and you definitely weren't going to be number one in the state of California, or certainly not in the world. Yeah. If you would have had that maybe potential. Now all of a sudden the ROI becomes, oh, it's a little better ROI. I can actually be a champion. I can actually start a school. I can have whatever. You can make a living from it. Now yeah. there's other things that come out of it. You yeah. you weren't in that situation. Oh, yeah. So, and that's a good point because you don't really, th- well, then again, I don't know. I can only speak for myself, but I didn't really think about that until I got my eyes kind of opened mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh, wait, there's all this other stuff that I can be like, Kind of, I could see a path to legitimate right. success over here, but then in jujitsu, if I even like think about it like that, which I never really did, I just was like, I liked training and winning and then doing the tournament or whatever. But then if I look at like a more a long term path, you're right. I was mm-hmm. like, no, I'm not gonna 
I'm not even close to these like the real dudes, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, why would I do this? Nice thing about having Dean Lister in the gym, where you're like, bro, this guy. Yeah. And Dean Lister, you know, he was number one in the world at certain times, but a lot of times he's getting beat by other guys. So you're thinking, well, this guy's destroying me. Yeah. So where am I? I'm, I'm yeah. going to be like third or fourth or fifth in yeah. my gym. Yeah. And keep in mind, I'm in my 30s at this time. <laughs> so <laughs> let's face it, you know. But the point is, I was, I didn't, my eyes weren't even open to that. Mm. It was just like, it was part habit, part payoff, going to the gym and learning cool stuff or whatever. But, well, you just like how you said that ecosystem, you get blinded by just that ecosystem because you're just in it, yeah. you know. And then so other things open my eyes or whatever, and then yeah. you can see, you know. You For me, the jiu-jitsu is just a ro. The ROI on jiu-jitsu is the personal, like the good feeling when I get done training. Yeah, and especially when I kind of go to war, like when I'm having wars on the mat, it feels good. Get done, like you just yeah. know you pushed. You, you you got tapped, you tapped, whatever. It doesn't matter. But you 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 struggled. You went to war, yeah. in 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 that arena, which that is makes fun. sense. BJ Penn actually said on this uh, podcast, it was called Mind Pump. He was on this mm-hmm. podcast. He was uh he was like I I train for my mental health, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's so true. Totally because true. really, that's essentially what you said. It's like you go in. It's like it's therapy in so many different mm-hmm. ways. You, it's the kind, it's so good where like just the activity. And I found that even when I go and I don't have hard training or I do have hard training, to me, it's all the same mm. at the end. I mean, look, if you have a bunch of super duper easy trainings in a, in a row and you're like, frick, I wish I, okay, there's that. But you go to jujitsu unless you get injured, which I have before. But if, unless you get injured, you go home, you can feel better. 100%. Even if you really didn't feel like going, which yeah. is a lot of the time. Yeah. But if you get yourself, it's like any workout, you know, but jujitsu has those extra elements of like, I don't know, something that like fulfills you or whatever. Yeah. No, my, they made that, uh, they made that video at origin of my daughter talking about it. And yeah. she was just yeah. like, yeah. once she realized how good it made her feel yeah. mentally, yeah. That's when she was like, oh, I can, I should do this all the time. Yeah. And it happens when you withdraw from it and you're like, why well, don't I feel that good? And all of a sudden you do it, you're like, oh. Yeah. So that's what I feel like. Yeah. So the ROI on that level for me, jujitsu, this just, this just, this just devolved into just a pure jujitsu discussion. It's true, yeah. it's but it applies true. to everything. Like, yeah. It applies to checking the ROI on the game. Whether that game is you're going to get focused on getting involved in, uh, you know, your, your, thing at work like where does it go that's someone people get caught up in they get caught up in like oh i'm in this job i'm in this corporation and i'm gonna make it i'm gonna make it to the next level i'm making the next level okay that's cool as long as that roi is real as long as you're like oh if you're like hey i'm just doing this because the pay is great and i can take care of my family and i'm gonna get promoted and get more money okay cool cool work hard and that all works out if you're thinking oh i want to I want people to call, I want to be the VP, right? I want to be the EVP. And then you think that's going to make you feel better. And if it does, cool, that's fine. That's awesome. Like, hey, you rose up, you were in a big company, you were running a big department, you had a lot of responsibility, you're taking care of people. That, that is totally legit. Yeah. As long as you're telling yourself the truth. If you're lying to yourself, that's when it becomes problematic. Hmm. That's one thing that's so cool about Echelon Front is I work with so many different people. Like, there's people that do, you can name it, and they're totally into it, man. And it's awesome. Like I want, I love to work with people that whatever they're doing, whether they're digging ditches, but they're doing it safely and they're doing, you know, doing huge contracts and it's awesome. They're running big companies and it's cool. They love doing that stuff or they're, you know, 
making a product or they're providing a service, but they're into it. Mm. They're in the right game. And I hope that if you're listening, you can do an honest assessment of yourself and make sure that that game that you're in is the right game for you. And if you're doing something that you say, oh, I don't care about my clients. If you don't care about the people you're, the, that you're serving or you're providing service from, that's not a good indicator. Mm-hmm. If you're working with people you don't really like or you don't really wanna take care of, that's not a good indicator. Mm-hmm. So be honest with yourself and make sure that the game that you're in from a work perspective is the right game. That's a lot more common problem than I'm into a, you know, jujitsu as an example, but any hobby that you're into. Mm-hmm. Like you invest a bunch of money into archery. You wouldn't invest a bunch of money unless it was unless you liked it, unless the ROI was good. Yeah. So the hobbies are a little bit easier to just oh, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. Actually the hobbies are the opposite where you should be doing it, but you're not. You you know you sh- you you know you should be training jiu-jitsu. You know you should be lifting weights. You know you should be running or doing whatever thing it is because you know it makes you feel good. But you say ah oh, you know <laughs> right. You forget yeah. about the ROI. You forget about the return. Mm. You only think about the investment. Well you know I got to get up early oh, and right. do this before I go to work and that's kind of a pain. Yeah. You only you focus on the investment. You don't focus on the return. Yeah. The return is your health. And that's what you should focus. That's why measuring the investment and measuring the return on investment of what you do in the game, whatever game it is, that's why I'm trying to get you to pay attention to that. Mm. All right, next one, Carter Royce. I guess Carter Royce, maybe if he's from Brazil. Uh, If everyone on a team has a different overall life game slash goal, how do you work to align these different perspectives into one that benefits the overall team? And this is work, relationships, community. Here's the, here's the cool thing about this. Living well, doing good, and helping each other, generally speaking, helps, helps ourselves as well. It, it generally, so when you're talking about interacting with other people, whether it's at work, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your community, if you help other people, it's gonna help you. And if everyone recognizes that, then we're all aligned. So if... If I help Echo, if if you and I work together, and if you work hard, and so you provide a good service to our clients, I benefit. <laughs> you benefit, I benefit, and we both know that. At Echelon Front, okay, so take Echelon Front. We got a bunch of instructors there. The better each individual instructor does, right? The better JP does, the better Leif does, the better I do, the better Dave does, the better each individual instructor does, providing the service for the client, the better that individual does. And the better Echelon Front does. Because people call back, say, we want JP to come again. Yeah, he's great. We want him to come and do a four-day workshop. Like, that's what happens. Mm -hmm. So guess what? JP makes more money. Echelon Front makes more money. The client gets taken care of. So that's the way it is with most in your family. Oh, your your kid is you you take you you get your kid to study. You know, you talk, you explain to them the why. They study hard, they get better grades, they get better grades. That's beneficial not just for you. You'd be like, hey, my kid's a straight A student, right? Mm-hmm. You get to brag, cool. Yeah. But also your kid gets a better life. Mm-hmm. They get into a better school, they get a better job. All that stuff happens. The family's doing better because now I don't have to rely my kid's not relying on me for that for that you know, kicking down some some money because they don't have a good job. Mm-hmm. How does alignment roll into that? Because like, 
how he's asking like everyone has a different overall game and goal. Like, well, what I'm saying is, if you're part of a team, because he's talking about an individual, t- a team, whether that team is a family, a company, if we, you know, at my family, if I say, hey, listen, we got to do a better job with not spending so much money. We're wasting money on this. We're wasting money on that. People are going buying a cup of coffee that costs three dollars. It's it's hurting us. We need to tighten it up. So when I say that to the whole family, the whole family re- realizes, mm-hmm. oh, I need yeah. to spend less money. Guess what? We end up with more financial security because mm-hmm. we're not wasting a bunch of money, and that means we can, you know, get that new roof that we need because our roof is leaking. Yeah. Like this is what happens. So when you're all working together, it's very rare that something that helps the individual doesn't help the team, mm. right? Because then what, why are you part of, why is there a team? Yeah. Teams are meant to achieve a goal, whether that's a business, whether that's a family, whether that's a sports team. You know, if, if Echo, if you and I are part of the same company and you and I are supposed to make widgets and you make 10 a day and I only make five a day, the fact that you made more than me is actually good for you because you're going to get your bonus, but it's also good for me. I don't want to like undermine you because then all of a sudden we're not getting as many of our widgets made and now we don't have as many to sell and now some other place can come in and get a market share from us and that's a problem. Yeah. So for this, when you, when you climb the ladder of alignment, yeah. which I talk about a lot, at Echelon Front, you and I might be competing to make widgets, right? You, you, you and I are getting a bonus based on how many we make, mm-hmm. and whoever makes more gets a better bonus. Mm-hmm. We're competing. Yeah. But as soon as we go up one level, up the, up the ladder of alignment, mm-hmm. and I say, hey, I don't wanna actually like steal some of your parts for your widget so you can't make as many, or mm-hmm. so your widgets don't meet the quality, right. and now someone out in the marketplace buys it and it doesn't work right, and now they complain, they put it on Yelp, and now our sales go down. Yeah. So when you go up and say, hey look, even though we're competing against each other, see who can make more widgets mm-hmm. and still maintain quality, even though we're competing against each other, if you go up one level, we're actually working together. Because if we provide good widgets, and we make a lot of them, there'll be more to sell, we can lower the price a little bit, which means we can sell even more, we can drive some other people out of the market, like that's what's happening. Yeah. So climb the ladder of alignment a little bit, go to a higher place where it's like, oh, we are on the same team. Yeah, you, I always listen to that when you say climb the ladder of alignment, because mm-hmm. you know, people, that's like one of the main questions that people ask you in my, when I, I mean, in my experience, they'll be yep. like, hey, what, what do you do when we're not aligned and this person has little separate int agendas, right? And so I'm thinking, wait a second, yeah, that's obviously a common problem. So why is it always that, like, well, not that simple, but why is it always, like you always have that same solution and it makes perfect sense. Yep. So I'm still thinking, why the hell is it still a problem like that much? Because people mistake agendas for alignment. They, they mistake the fact that you and I are competing mm-hmm. f- to who can make more widgets. They mistake that fact that we're competing and mm-hmm. we're, we're actually trying to go against each other with the fact that if you go up a few levels, we're actually both trying to do the same thing and move in the same direction. Yeah, yeah. I've realized slowly but surely the jam up comes when <clears throat> someone 
invokes their short-term agenda at the expense of the long-term right. agenda, even for themselves, and, by and, the way. And when that happens, so I steal some of your parts, yeah, and I mess them up, and I put them back in your bucket of the widgets you're assembling. Yeah, so I can look better. Yep. Or you can look better. So I look better. Yeah. And all someone needs to do is pull me aside and say, hey, Jocko, we got, you know, we saw that, we saw what you did. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, Jocko, if, you know, someone buys one of the parts that Echo made, one of the widgets that Echo made and it doesn't work, what's that going to do to our reputation? Ugh. Now they're going to not going to want to buy the ones that you made either. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Now we're not selling as many of these things. Ugh. Now in order to cover our margin, we got to raise our prices. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Now that we've raised our prices, the competitor comes in and is looking even better with an even lower price. Ugh. We're getting driven. See what I'm saying? Yeah. All you have to You're do right. is pull the thread on it yeah. and you realize that. Occasion, it's so rare, and usually this is what I say, it's so rare that people are actually not aligned yeah. once you go high enough. Look, we can be aligned. Even in a SEAL platoon, it's like you have you have Seth in, in uh, Delta platoon and Leif in Charlie platoon. They're, they're competitive against each other. Mm. You know, they both want, we only got, you know, f- seven of the new weapon sites, the new high-speed weapon sites. Leif wants them all. Seth mm. wants them all. Mm. And if they're going to steal them from each other, that's bad. But if I say, hey, guys, who's got a mission that more requires these sites? Yeah. And Leif's like, well, you know, Seth's doing this, these patrols over in this area that's further ranges. He could probably use them. Oh, okay. As soon as you go up a level, the problem gets solved. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, very rarely, Echo actually wants to start his own widget business. Mm-hmm. So he's doing things that legitimately are not aligned. Mm-hmm. He's making parts that are not, he's making widgets that suck. And they're gonna go out in the market, we're gonna have a bad reputation, he's gonna go, oh, I started Echo's widgets and we make the highest quality. So occasionally you can have people that are truly not aligned. At the top of the ladder of alignment, they're not aligned. This is what I always ask people. I ask companies like, oh, okay, who here doesn't want the company to be profitable? No one raises their hands. Who here doesn't wanna take care of the people on your team? No one raises your hand. Who here doesn't wanna take care of your customer? No one raises their hand. So there, all of a sudden, everyone's aligned. Everybody wants to make money. Everybody wants to take care of their team, and everyone wants to take care of the customers. Mm. Everyone's aligned. No one goes like, "Well, I'd actually like to screw over the customers," or like, "Hey, I actually, I actually want my team to to be in a bad bad position, or I want the company to lose money." Yeah. That's not happening. Same thing in war. What do we want to do? Kill bad guys, keep our guys safe, and win the war. Okay. Who do, who here wants to get their guys killed? No one. Who here doesn't want to kill the bad guys? No one. Who here wants us to lose? No one. So we're aligned. You might be thinking we should attack from this direction. I'm thinking we should attack from a different direction. But one of us is right, one of us is wrong. It's not that we disagree on what we're trying to achieve. So we're aligned. We just have different ideas. And that's all there is to it. And it's the same thing here when it comes to these various games that we're playing. Yeah, that, that um, and JP tells a good story about this. But that, that's a good point where it's like, yeah, you might have two different ideas, but once you kind of realize how aligned you really are, yep. you start to be like, wait a second, let's really hash out who has the better idea, mm-hmm. whether it's you or, or me or whatever. But it puts it into perspective that much more. So, and that's what happened to JP, according to his story about uh, you guys. You know, when he came back, you mm-hmm. know, he has all these like important missions and all this like big, yeah, huge yeah, yeah. impact he's made. He comes back and then he has to be like an instructor, which mm-hmm. he thought was like, not the, it was like a misuse of his his yeah. value or whatever. <laughs> it was a danger to society. It was a <laughs> yeah. danger to mud students, I can guarantee you that. Yeah, man, I can Freaking JP in Ramadi Angry JP. as the lead sniper 
and then whatever two weeks later he's like standing in front of bud students that's yeah. not a good transitional period know. for jp <laughs> Mel at 22 <laughs> years old <laughs> you realize that's literally when i met jp oh really like right when he got back yeah that's when i met him for the first time with cake where'd nuts. you meet him oh with cake, with cake nuts? nuts at sushi yeah he was like yeah, my friend. but um but he makes a great point where he's like, he was so mad. He even admits, like, I was so mad. I should be over there doing this, you know, killing back. And he talks to you one time and you're like, hey, that was your mission then. This is your mission now. And we're fighting. We're, you're doing this. You're going to train these guys so we, the best you possibly, possibly, possibly can so they can be good enough to go right. over and we never have to go to Freenor again. Boom. Just like that. Mm-hmm. Put, put back into perspective. Alignment revealed. Yep. Alignment revealed. So there you go. Um, there you go. Carter. Hope that helps. Next one, easy money dude. Hell yeah. Check. How do you identify what games are worth playing or games to avoid? Again, this is this is a study in return on investment. Not, and it's not just return, it's return on investment. So it's what are you gonna have to put into this thing and what can we possibly get out of it and what are the risks involved? And then you just have to be honest with yourself. Just be honest with yourself. You're looking at some some game. Want to get involved with a girl? Want to start a new business? Want to get involved in a club? You know, there's like a you know Rotary Club or whatever. Want to get involved in that thing? Want to get involved in some volunteer organization? Whatever it is, what are you gonna have to put into it? What's the return going to be? And what are the risks involved? And be honest with yourself. <sighs> Did you know that Seinfeld had nine ep- episodes and they were like at the top of the chart and then he just stopped? What do you mean he had nine episodes? Or not episodes, sorry, nine seasons. Nine seasons, seasons yeah. 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 And, and he, it was number one, and mm-hmm. he just stopped. And they were like, what the hell? They wanted him. They were going to pay him crazy amounts of money for a tenth season. So why didn't he do it? Because of this. He identified the game worth playing. Because he looked back, he said, I'm not married. I have no kids, nothing. All I'm doing is this show, mm-hmm. no matter how successful. It was like, that's not worth it anymore. There as far go. as my life, the games I'm playing. There you go. Perfect example. He had to look at it. He's got this game. He knows what the investment is. It's his time. It's his effort. And he's putting everything into it. And he's already achieved. He's gotten what he, what the return that he's gotten. He's like, you know what? I got enough money. I got enough fame. I got enough credit. You know, street cred from who gives street cred? Comedians cred or something? I don't oh, know. Yeah. Well, it w- it's literally one of the, if not the most successful sitcom of all time. Check. So that's like, that's a big deal to be like, oh, I'm done. Did you watch that show a lot? Yes. Like all of it? Yes. Okay. Pretty good? I think so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it relates to like all the little everyday things in yeah, life. And yeah. it like, point, it's, yeah, it's pretty good. It's, it's very I've smart. Watched, I've watched probably... I've watched some of them, probably like 20 of them or something yeah. like that. But if there's nine seasons, I'm really not even yeah. scratching the surface. Yeah. But that's a great example. Yeah. He looked at it, measured the ROI, and said, hmm, okay, cool, I'm done. And there you go. Yeah. Good good, uh, good metaphor there. Next one is from That Jake Denham. Denham? Something like that. How did you learn about real estate investing? Um, a guy told me... A guy, a guy in the SEAL teams that I work for was like, yeah, you know, I bought, I bought houses and they increased in value over time. <laughs> I don't know how he said it specifically, mm. but that, but that's basically what he said to me. He probably said something like, you know, I bought this house eight years ago. He's older than me. Mm. I bought this house eight years ago for 150 grand. It's worth like 400 grand now. And I must've been like, hmm, like the slow turning <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> things coming together. And the other thing in this one I did remember 
he was like, because he, he rented these houses out, he's mm-hmm. like, someone else is paying my mortgage. And that seemed very smart. And I realized that I was one of those people that was paying someone else's mortgage. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that. So started buying houses, you know, one at a time, buy yeah. a house. Yeah. As soon as I had that house was kind of settled in and then bought another one and just tried to hold on to them. And that's what I did. Um, yeah, that's how, I, that's how I learned about real estate investing. I took some really simplistic phrases from a dude that was telling me what was up yep. and just saw the game. I, I saw the game. Yeah. That's, let's bring it back to this, right? Mm-hmm. I saw that this guy had bought a house for 100 grand and now it was worth 300 grand in like a seven year period. Mm-hmm. But more, that seemed cool. More important, I realized that someone else was paying for that house. Yeah. And I realized where I was on the board, on yep, the game board, yep, right? Yep, I yep, was paying yep. rent, bro. Mm-hmm. I was paying for someone else's house. How would you feel if you're like at a bar and like you're sitting there drinking your beer mm-hmm. and then the bill comes over and you're signing it and you're signing. There's some other go dude, he's having like hors d'oeuvres, he's having <laughs> bottle <laughs> service. Bottle service and they're like, yeah, you're, you're here's his bill. You'd be pissed. You wouldn't stand for it. But we stand for that with when it comes to where we live, we basically stand for it. So once I realized where I, that's a good example of, oh, there's a game. I didn't even know I was part of the game. I didn't mm-hmm. know I was part of the game. Yeah. I thought that's just what was happening. Yeah. Like you gave me the bill, I signed it. I didn't know this guy was over here with bottle service. Yeah. You know, I'm paying for his bottle service. That's yeah. what you're doing. You're buying someone a house when you're paying rent. Look, are there times where you got a rent? Sure, you go to you take a job, you're in a job for a short period of time, you're only gonna be in this city for a year and it's, you, you don't know what's gonna happen in the market. I'm not saying yeah. run out and buy a house tomorrow. You need to understand what's happening. But if you know you're gonna be somewhere for a longer period of time, yeah, and you can afford to buy a house, go buy a house. Mm-hmm. So I realized that. That's what realized, That's what made me realize it's one of the earlier games mm-hmm. that I checked into. Um, another question from him is, how to know when you're playing the wrong game and it's time to quit or switch games? Okay, ROI, right? Uh, measure the ROI. What are you getting out of this? If you're gonna get a lot out of it, but it's a lot of effort, okay, well, is it worth the effort? Is it worth the investment? Time, money, leadership capital, whatever the thing is, family. Mm. Is it going to be worth it? Or is it not? And so you, when you figure out the risks and you figure out the investment and you figure out the return you may or may not get based on those risks, okay, then you can make a decision. We also, now what's interesting about this question is we're in the game. He's saying you're playing the wrong game. So now what we have to do is we have to do an honest assessment of our trajectory in this game, right? How well am I doing? Am I making progress? You know how now in the UFC, when you watch the UFC, they have the odds. They show the odds after each round. Oh, damn. Yeah, yeah so yeah. now that's a new thing. I don't know how new it is, but it's a few years old. But like, oh, Echo really did great in that last round against Jocko. His odds of winning now just went up. Oh, damn. Oh, Jocko just came back and had a great round. And plus, Echo was like stunned at the end of the round. It looks like he was going to get knocked out. He got saved by the bell. Oh, Jocko's odds just went up for the last round a lot. Hmm. You have to do an assessment and see where you're at, yeah. right? And see what is your trajectory of what's happening. It's kind of like what you said you did with your jiu-jitsu career. You're like, okay, I'm 30, whatever, you're 34 years old. I'm the seventh best guy in my gym, which is not bad, but 
let's face it, we're one gym. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'm making progress, but so is everybody else. Okay, where, where am I at? Where am I going with this? Mm-hmm. Same thing with a job, you know? Okay, I've been at this same job. I've been in this position for, for four years. I haven't been promoted in the last three years. I don't have a good relationship with my boss. This does not seem like it's a good fit for me. So you gotta do an honest assessment of your trajectory and make a decision. Uh, One thing that you can do is you can kind of mitigate risk, right? This is a story I've told a few times, but Greg McIntyre. Sure. Greg Greg Train. Train. Yeah, Yeah, Greg Train. At a certain point, Greg's a badass. He's a freaking great wrestler. His jujitsu is solid. He's a great athlete. He's a good boxer. And he was kind of, he was, he was starting in the MMA scene. And he had, like, he had real legit potential in MMA because he's a great wrestler, tough as nails, strong for, I mean, he's freaking 50, 155 pounder. He's strong as hell. So Greg Train actually asked me, and this was like, probably 15 or 20 years ago. This is a long time ago. This is probably 20 years ago. Mm. He was like, what do you think I should do? Should I just dedicate my whole life right now to MMA? Mm -hmm. Or should I keep training, but also he wanted to get a degree, he wanted to become an x-ray technician. That's what he is, right? Yep. And I was like, listen, bro, how many hours a day can you train? Yeah. <laughs> Legitimately. And I, I said, can you train 16 hours a day? And he said, no. I said, no one can train 16 hours a day. How many, if you really train hard, how many hours a day can you train? Including recovery, like the whole nine yards. He's like, I don't know, maybe four or five, right? That's like training, conditioning, recovery. Maybe you do six, maybe you do six. Okay, you're gonna work eight hours a day. You sleep eight hours a day. That's 16 hours, right? You got plenty of time to train and you can still have a backup to MMA in in case you go to wrestling practice tomorrow and blow your knee out, which can happen on any given day. And so he played both games, you know? And and he, he, he had a good run at MMA. He also ran into some problems that were tough to deal with. And so he mitigated the risk played more than one game at the same time, and when the MMA thing dried up, guess what, he still had a cool career, making good money, beautiful family, taking care of them, house like the whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. So that's a situation where he didn't necessarily quit the other game, but he, he, he mitigated the risk by playing multiple games at the same time. Yeah, so there's this thing called the sunk cost fallacy yeah. it's like um, i got it in one of these questions for oh, sure for, yep. yeah because yeah, yeah. that's a factor and i'm thinking back to my bouncer days where mm-hmm. you know i had you know kind of you know i spent a few years there and like and i remember one time my brother jade mm-hmm. he goes he goes hey you ever thought about getting another job and i was offended i was like bro all the stuff i learned all the friends that i made all this stuff like basically all these commitments that i've made over the years mm-hmm. and, and accumulated all these little you know results or whatever kind of kept me in there kind of like hey if i get it if i start all over it's kind of like what about all that what i put into yeah that given the circumstances and i'll tell you you probably just gave the most shallow example of yep. sunk cost fallacy yep. Yep. <laughs> because that was honestly my world. That was yeah real. because if you think about it i mean what is that really like you didn't 
you, you look you you made some friends you had a uh, moved up the chain where you were now like the shift lead or something yeah, like that yeah, yeah. Yep, which yeah. probably took you six months or something <laughs> <laughs> when you get to people that are in legit sunk co- oh it's yeah. like oh I went to lo- I went to undergrad yeah. I got yeah. my pre-law I t- went to law school yeah. I did my freaking time as a clerk and went up through the chain of command and now I'm a lawyer it's been eight years I've invested four hundred and fifty thousand dollars and I freaking hate it yeah I hate this job. Yeah. That's sunk cost. Yeah. Where they go, dude, do I really walk away from this right now? Yeah. That's where people have to, that's where the sunk cost makes people stick oh, with yeah. the same crappy job that they don't like for a long period of time, yeah. which I recommend definitely watching out for. Well, you well, you know, the, the common example of sunk cost is the movie theater one, which is more shallow than mine even. You, you, you already you paid to, for the movie, so yeah, you know. You go to the movie, you get, go through halfway, three quarters, and you're like, oh, I might as well finish it. You know, I'm yeah. I'm here. Yeah. You know what I'm going to do? Walk out of the movie. I already paid, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know. But yeah. no, bro, walk out. I, What I do when a movie sucks, I just go to sleep, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so, like, comfortable sleeping in theaters. Have you? When my kids were little, we'd go to see, like, one of those kids' movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and look, there's some really good kid kids' movies, but a lot of times they just, they're just not good. Like but what? I would just, Moana. Uh, Incredibles. Yeah. Good. The Incredibles. I like the, Moana. Uh, that was a good one, man. Moana. I don't think I made it through that one. <laughs> Bruh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I made it. There's a lot, yeah. a lot of them. That, There's some cool ones for sure. Yeah. So, but most of them going to sleep. I yeah, haven't walked out sense. of a lot of movies. Well, that's different. So, Have like, you walked out of a lot of movies? I walked out on the one with Angelina Jolie and Ethan Hawke back at the day. I don't even. Yeah, I even forget what it was. I remember he. There bro, was I don't scene, think I've. It, it didn't seem like your kind of movie, yeah. you know, but <laughs> but keep in mind, I think when you walk out of the like, you can't just tell the kids, hey, I'm bored with mm-hmm. this kid's yeah, movie. Yeah. So, you know, so of course, falling asleep. That's like, yeah, that's a good. It's kind of a thing. joke in my family that if like when we when they would know, like, yeah, I'm yeah. just going to sleep. It's They're nap time. I'm for not going to mm-hmm. snore and embarrass them. <laughs> yes, sir. So, again, this boils back to we have to pay attention to risk, investment and return on investment. And we have to do an honest assessment. If you're in the game, you got to check your trajectory honestly. Mm-hmm. And look, you, Echo looked at his trajectory and said, "You know what? I'm kind of a shift lead now. I got these friends. I can get, I can get beer, you know, whenever I want. Yeah. I'm, I'm head of the line privileges at these other clubs. I kind of right. Yep. But he had to look at a longer term trajectory. Like, okay, where am I going to be in five years? And all you have to do is meet that one person that's like been a been in some position that you're in, mm-hmm. but they've been there for 17 years. Yeah. And you're like, ooh. So there's like one more element involved in that exact thing right there. So, you know, when I started over there at the club, I was 23, mm-hmm. just turned 23. So, you know, you see a guy who's like 40, you're like, oh, well, I'm only 20. That's like <laughs> two decades from now. Yeah. You know, like, bruh, I'll be, you know, yeah. whatever. You don't even think it's so far ahead. But then when you, uh, mm-hmm. after a while you get old, actually it's not like 40, it's like you see a guy who's 30. Yeah. You're like, well, I'm not gonna beat that. That's like seven years of forever. That's yeah. like a third of my You're life, like, right? Yeah. What's no. he doing here? Yeah, and y- y- I, to be honest, you don't even apply it to yourself because mm-hmm. that's just him and too bad. I mean, I guess, cool, up to you. That's your life, you know, whatever. And then you start reaching 28, 29 and remember back, wait a second, I was looking at that 130 and that's next year. Mm-hmm. So you're like, dang, that's when it hits you. Yeah, for sure. That's how it hit me. <laughs> It's real, guys. Real. That's when you realized you were uh, stationary. You were running on a treadmill that wasn't getting you anywhere. 
Um, it, in a certain lane for sure. You were sure. in the wrong game. I was in the wrong game. But here's the thing, though. Like, I don't want to ma- paint this picture like it was all shit because, to be honest, like, I'm, I learned so much, which I didn't even realize, mm-hmm. by the way. I learned so much just dealing with people under certain types yeah, yeah, of circumstances. Sure. You're like, ah, oh, you know, like, but yes. Like, after a while, you kind of hit the wall in that regard mm-hmm. where you're like, well, as far as a career, because really, when you reach 30s, that's like, if you're not in it, you're kind of like looking out for one, you know. And I didn't. Did think you ever was. think about opening your own club? Yeah. Well, yeah. And then what happened with that? It was just a thought, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it just like, didn't even. Yeah. It didn't formulate. Well, really. me and Sarah started dating. Then you know when you have like a girlfriend who has a. Well, I don't know. In my case, I had a girlfriend who had like a for real job, yeah. and she was making like for real money, like uh-huh. adult money. <laughs> and I was like, What was she doing? Property management. Oh, check. So. You kind of compare, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm what I'm going to open a nightclub and be up all night still, you know, and I got to wake up at like 11 noon. Meanwhile, you know, I'm like 35, 40 years old doing that all the time. Like as a routine, I'm like, eh, which is would be cool. But I just contrasted it to again, it's very important that you were able to detach and do an assessment and look at the game of like nightclub ownership and what does that yeah. entail? It means yeah. I gotta be there. Like you looked at the game and you had a good comparison to look at Sarah's game and be like, oh look, we're gonna be playing two different, wildly different games. Yeah. That's if the Venn diagram doesn't overlap very much. Very like much. we'll see each other for, actually we won't even see each other at night because she comes home, you're at the club. She, right. you know, that's, okay. Yeah, like yeah, a couple good. nights only, yeah. It's so rich. you, you sure. measured the trajectory, the ROI, the possibilities, and you saw that it wasn't good. Yeah. Good job, Echo Charles. Next question is from Levi Mix. I don't know. Levick Mix. He says, How do you play the game and trust that you're able to make competent decisions that are congruent with your growth? For example, I've grown in almost unfathomable ways over the last year, but I still have mindsets from who I previously was when making incompetent choices. I think what you need to do is. Take a step back, and a beautiful way, and I'm probably gonna say this a bunch, is when you wanna detach and you wanna assess what's happening, take a step back, write down what's happening. Write down, like, when you gotta make a decision, write down the pros and cons. That's why pros and cons lists are good. It's not good because you don't know it. It's good because it makes you look at it from a detached perspective. You get to see you keep it all in your mind, you're in it. Mm-hmm. When you take, when you write it down, you're like, hey, here's what's good, here's what's bad. Oh my gosh, the bad really outweighs the good. Okay, cool, because mm-hmm. you were able to take a step back. So writing things down, when you come up to a decision point, hey, w- wait a second, let me, just, let me just go over what are the outcomes that I could get from making this decision? How is this gonna go? Mm-hmm. And then, Try and answer those questions without letting your emotions get involved. Again, not not void of emotions. Put the emotions in the calculus, but don't let that drive the entire decision. And then, of course, make iterative decisions and then listen to the feedback. So make a little small decision in the direction that you think is right, and then pay attention to what the feedback is and make sure that it was the right decision. If it's not, then change it. <clears throat> do you, and this is kind of a weird hypothetical question for you, do you, let's say, your 30, 30 year old self, mm-hmm. still in the military, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. In the dirt. Yeah, hell yeah. 
if that 30 year old Jocko saw your Jocko right now mm-hmm. and would like watch you and do whatever would would the 30 year old Jocko be like oh shit he's a different person or would he be like oh, okay he's just like older and wiser I think he'd be like uh, yeah the that oh I see the conclusion of that idea the way it developed yeah. I see like it's kind of cool like when I look back at my career in the military yeah. I don't say you know from a leadership perspective here's this horrible thing that I did and it didn't work. Yeah. Usually I'm like, hey, here's what I did yeah. and this is why I did it and it still makes sense yeah. and that goes back to when I was 30 years old. Now there's things where I go, ah, oh, you know what, could have done that better but I can see that the trajectory of the way I was thinking was just not fully formulated yet yeah. but I wasn't doing anything that was like 180 out, Yeah. you know? Uh-huh. It was like, oh yeah, I really hadn't, I really hadn't quite gotten to this conclusion yet yeah, or I hadn't evolved that thought pattern yet, but it, it was going in the right direction. So I think if my thirty-year-old self would go, "Oh yeah, I can see where that where yeah. you got that from." Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Something along those lines. Because I make I kind of remember, and I'm sure it's like you know the slow burn of you changing mm-hmm. in whatever way you change since even before. Well, you know, back back in the day when we were like training, I was competing, and mm-hmm. you were. To me, it feels like you're the same person, like literally same talk trash person, <laughs> except now you talk about leadership too, you know, like aside, but. Yeah, and what's funny is when you and I were training, I was talking about leadership, just not to you. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I was already, you know, that's that's what I was doing. Yeah. Um, Do you know, and I think I told you this, actually you already know this because you were part of it, the first video I made for money mm-hmm. was with you, actually the first like five video I made mm-hmm. with money was with you. but um. You were talking about leadership to some teachers. It yeah, was like yeah, yeah. A, we were making yep, a yep, DVD yep. or yes, something. I remember it. And uh, it was for teachers. And I so I came across that, all those files. And I was listening to it. And it's all like underdeveloped echelon front stuff. Oh, for sure. It's so funny. You're all young. <laughs> but anyway, my point is, yeah, like you, it doesn't seem like you changed at all. No. And like the principles that we talk about, like when you're talking about that, those principles are the same, yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Um, there's not been, there, there might be, like I, I have might have a better way of explaining something, oh, yeah, showing yeah. a different angle for sure. Oh yeah. But you're way, you are actually are a lot different. It just doesn't seem, it doesn't feel like it to me, like mm. day to day. But yeah, if I were to, if you were to like rewind and even watching those videos, I'm like, oh, this is like young Jocko, but you're still the same Jocko, but mm. you change a lot. But it's not, like I'm comparing it to myself, like when I was like, 25 or something bro my 25 year old self would barely recognize me now. well yeah the, well that's true i think with everybody and if you like my 25 year old self was definitely wild yeah. like was a little bit out of control and was uh kind of a maniac and i remember <laughs> i remember when we were on with uh with uh jim conkle and charlie plum mm-hmm. and they were like talking these guys are like just I don't want to use the word saintly, but kind of saintly, like heroic dudes. Yeah. And they were kind of like throwing me in, you know, with this sort of uh, elevated kind of virtue. And I was like, hey, guys, I just want to make sure. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, I was a maniac when I was younger. And so let's not get too crazy with that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I remember that. But but yeah, I mean, the, the principles and also, you know, you explain something and then you explain it again, and you, you see, oh, that was a little bit better. So yeah. you get better at explaining stuff yeah. over time, especially going from explaining stuff to guys in the teams where you're just using pure 
military examples, and then as I worked with more and more companies, like, oh, here's another civilian example, here's another business example, here's a family example, and you start to be able to be able to tap into these other uh, ways of explaining things that are that are easier for some people to understand. Makes sense, yeah. So there you go. Uh, next one, D. Digarmo Four. <laughs> Thoughts on how your concept of the game matches and or contradicts uh, Simon Sinek's finite or infinite infinite game concept, and yeah, that's that's a good question. Obviously, using the term game, and there's going to be let's see where that ends up. And and one thing that's interesting about this is that idea of finite finite versus infinite games is actually from a, a guy named James Carse, who is an American philosopher. Uh, academic guy from NYU, and he wrote a book in 1987 that's called Finite and Infinite Infinite Games. Uh, but as far as the concept goes, it, it's not so much that they match or they contradict what we've been talking about. It's, it's not that they match or they contradict. Uh, so the, to give you the definition here, a finite game is like any game that has parameters around it. So I always say chess, like chess, you have 64 squares, you got 16 pieces per side. They can only, the pieces can only move in certain directions, right? That's a finite game. Basketball, uh, there's a court, there's a ball, there's a number of steps you can take when you're not dribbling, there's a height of the basket, there's a number of points that you get for a shot when you make it depending where you are. So, so all those things are, those are finite games. And what one of the reasons, like uh, that, I originally thought of this myself. I'm not trying to say I thought of the idea. Was uh, chess? I heard I think Lex Friedman, maybe it was Lex, but someone talking about the fact that that a computer can win in chess because it's a finite game. Mm-hmm. So you, there's a number of moves, and if you can you can get that thing to run out the the eventualities of each move and come to the best move, and it can beat a human. Infinite games that have no rules, a computer might not be able to win because it's not gonna be able to do something that's totally unexpected. It's not gonna have the creativity that's needed. Now look, we got AI coming and chat GPT and all this <laughs> stuff. So it's gonna, but it's gonna take some sort of really revolutionary technology for a machine to beat a human in an infinite game. An infinite game is like life, right? There's no rules. You can move. You, a total war. Total war. This is a war where you're like, this is for our survival, which means we're going to do whatever it takes. To survive. There's no rules. For as long as yeah, it takes. Yeah, for as long as it takes, no rules. <laughs> Street fighting for survival. Like that's sort of an infinite game because if you grab a bottle, you can smash it on the dude's head and cut his throat open. Uh, if you get a chance to s- slam them their face down, if you have a weapon, you like it's sort of just hey, whatever you got, yeah. you can bring it into the game. Yeah. And so you could have a computer that's like, oh, I'm gonna, I will. The first move I would do would be a throat punch, and then cool, I put two bullets in his head because I was carrying a gun. Like I win, yeah. infinite game. Yeah. So. Finite games, and here's the thing, finite games are, are generally the smaller games and infinite games are the bigger ones. So what you wanna win what you wanna win at is the infinite game. And by the way, this, 
for me, life is an infant game. Obviously, you can go anywhere. But more important to me is there's degrees in between finite and infinite, right? That is that most games, most games have some level of rules. And where those rules are, you can have some games are very strict. Some games are very, very, very loose. There's very limited rules. Uh, business has rules. Business has laws. But you can actually go and you can change and you can disrupt. Like, like, like that's the big thing, right? When I disrupt the industry, yeah, it's because you were playing a finite game, making your widget, and all of a sudden I realized that I could make my widget that does something radically different to yours and what yours does, and all of a sudden you're out of you're out of business, man. Yeah. So when you can recognize that, when you can recognize what the rules are and generally figure out, okay, those rules apply, but do I have to follow them? And um, the same thing with like families, like there's a wide, there's a wide variety of ways people live as families, right? And just take a city versus, a, hey, this family lives in a city, this family lives on a farm. Mm-hmm. This family lives in a van and surfs up and down the California coast. They don't have jobs, they have whatever, they sell bracelets mm-hmm. on the seawall. That's a real thing. Like there's families that that's what they do. They surf and they sell bracelets on the seawall, <laughs> right? That's a that's now the other person that's playing the game is like making a bunch of money working at a hedge fund trying to afford a place in Malibu so the family can surf. Mm. He can only surf every once in a while. Right. Who won the game? Who won the game? Yeah. I don't know, dude. Yeah. No, this guy's he doesn't just surf at Malibu. This other dude's in a van. He's going he's going to Rincon. He's going up to Santa Cruz. He's mm-hmm. coming back down to Dago. He's all over the place. Yeah. This other dude, he's actually working most of the time. Yeah. And by the way, when he's getting an opportunity to surf, he's kind of at Malibu because that's where he invested all of his money into a house there. So who won that game? Mm-hmm. Well, if you take the infinite game, well, well, what was the goal? Was the goal to make money or was the goal to surf? (laughs) So I think the important thing here is, yeah, there's infinite games and yes, there's uh, finite games. I think the important thing is to make sure you understand what the rules are and if possible, figure out if there's a way that you can disrupt those rules, overcome those rules, break those rules for lack of a better word. Look, if there's a legal rule that you're gonna get arrested for, you're gonna lose the game. That's not what I'm talking about. But if you can figure out a way to revolutionize the way something is being done, like, you know, you always hear that story about the freaking guy that figured out a better way to do the high jump, right? Fosbury. Fosbury flop. Mm -hmm. This guy changed the game, right? He didn't, he didn't, he, he changed, he viewed the sport and figured out a way to do that. That's within the rule, the technical rules, but it's way outside the the physical standards mm-hmm. of the way the game was played. Totally different. That's a good example. So don't be limited by the rules. See if you can see. I don't know. Another thing is, see if there's a bigger game you can play. Yeah. Kind of what we just talked about. Like, oh, you're a bartender, or you're a a, a bouncer. And you're the head bouncer? Is there a bigger game you can play? Yeah, you can You can open your own bar. Okay, well that's kinda cool. Now you're not worried about the hierarchy of the bouncers, now you're in a, the next level game. 
Mm. But then the next level game is you're gonna do franchises. Well, now you got a bunch of these, you see what I'm saying? So I'm always looking and you should always look for, if that's what you want, is there a bigger game that you can play? And don't get stuck in a game that you could possibly be losing where you could just be playing a bigger game. Um, yeah, if you're trying to, you know, you're, you're trying to be the best restaurant in, the best cook in your restaurant, why not just open your own restaurant? You're trying to be the best electrician so you can get promoted and manage a crew, well, why not just start your own company? That being said, what if you are an electrician but you what you really wanna do is focus on your family? Cool. Then you stay working at a bigger company because no one call you know what you know who they call when something goes wrong and you own a business? They call you. Mm. It's your business. I own a lot of businesses, man. The calls come in twenty four seven. The calls come in twenty four seven. I realized that when we opened Victory MMA and Fitness. I was like, oh, there's something wrong at the oh instructor didn't show up. Cool. I'm on my way. Mm. <laughs> you know, like that's the way it's going. Yeah. So that's uh, the way that I think that works um, with the finite. I don't think, so my point is, I, I don't think it matches or contradicts uh, what James Kars said about finite and infinite, and what, what Simon Sinek, he talks about it as well, Simon Sinek does. He talks about the finite infinite game concept. But this what we're saying doesn't match or contradict, it's just part of it. Yeah. It's just part of it. Um, next question. This is also from Levick Mix. How do you with intention periodically check your prog progress within the game you're playing? Look, you gotta detach, you gotta take a step back, you gotta track what's happening. You gotta write down your goals and see where you're at. In order to do that, you better schedule it because time slips by and next thing you know, you look up and you've been in the same game for nine years and you realize you haven't been making progress. So you need to schedule those reviews periodically. Once every quarter. Where am I at? In the military, they, in a military, they have a position called future operations, which is someone that focuses on the future. You have to put someone there because if you don't put someone focusing on the future, then everyone's just focused on what's going on right now. Mm. So pay attention to that. Um, the same thing that we have to do with our lives. You have to become you have to you have to set aside time and make yourself the reviewing officer of your progress otherwise you'll look up in four years and you'll realize you haven't moved and you hadn't made progress next one how do you know which games are important ones and which ones you can ignore again real quick you gotta okay you've got to understand what you value this is important because we talked about return on investment, we talked about what you need to put in, we talked about what you're gonna get out. You actually have to be honest with yourself about what you value. And you should probably write down what you value, because if you value money, or you value property, or you value family, or you value friends, or you value free time, or you value surf trips to, to Baja, and that's what you value, you better write that down. Because otherwise, you might be per playing a game where what you're getting rewarded with isn't something that you value. Hey, we're gonna give you a promotion and a new title. I don't give a shit, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, we're gonna give you a new uh, freaking BMW company car. I don't care. I want a BMW company car. I want to surf. 
or I want to do jujitsu. So, so make sure you know. So if you want to know which games are important ones and which ones you should ignore, you need to figure out what you value, and then run the ROI and the risk to see if you're getting what you value from this game. Kobe Sab. Next question. He says, I stopped lying to myself about my past, my regrets, and my failures. What then? Do I need to try to make up for lost time, or is it just about mindset going forward? Uh, well, we all should try and make up for lost time. Problem is, we can't. It's already gone. It's already gone. The lost time is gone. It doesn't matter. So, no, we're not going to focus on that. We are going to go forward doing as much as we possibly can. If you focus on the past and you focus on the lost time and you focus on the regrets, you're wasting time and energy on things that don't help you and don't move you forward. So we're, we're not doing that. Good thing. You stopped lying to yourself. Good job. You know you made some mistakes. You made some adjustments. Move forward. That's what we're doing. Next one. Ruidira J. <laughs> if games are about winning, what is the best way to set metrics for winning the game and how important would that be? If games are about winning, what is the best way to set metrics for winning the game and how important would that be? Well, look, the biggest problem here that we're talking about is that people don't know that there's a game being played. Once you recognize that there's a game being played, then yeah, you gotta define what winning is gonna look like. And you do that by detaching and looking at it. And again, going back to understanding what you actually value. And once you know what you value, and once you see what winning looks like, then you write down the objectives of what that winning is, and then you figure out what the strategy and tactics are to achieve those objectives and, and victory. Just like land navigation, one of the earlier podcasts we did, you have to know where you're going. You have to know where you're going. If you don't know where you're going, you got issues. And then you got to track your progress and see where you are and then see where you are in relation to where you're trying to get to. Again, you have to define winning. You have to set the metrics because for Echo, winning might be Getting to ski a hundred days a year or getting to snowboard. Sorry, bro a hundred days a year For me winning might be making a ton of money So we're doing two different things So you have to figure out what winning is In order to figure out that out you have to know what you value Next one um, This is from Zach Headley, Headley, possible to address being taken advantage of by those who know the game better. It's a tough lesson, but it happens often, especially to young people. It, it, can you get taken advantage of by people who know the game better? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's why we're talking about this. Because there's nothing worse than being in a game with someone that knows the game and you don't. You know, or they know the game better than you, or you don't recognize that you're in a game. So when you get into a fight with someone that knows jujitsu and you don't, you get smashed. We came home from deployment, and 
there was you know discussions and debates about what we were doing and the types of mission we were doing and one there was one particular senior officer and i told stoner and leif i said hey do not get into a debate with this guy about our deployment and they were like why not and i was like because he'll beat you he'll beat you in a debate he'll beat me I'm like i'm not going to debate this stuff with him mm-hmm. he he that's what he does he's one of those people that goes around and when you step into the arena with someone that debates all the time, you're not gonna do well. Yeah. It's like when you see the college kid get in a debate with Ben Shapiro and he's got 74 facts that he rattles off yeah. because he had this argument at nine other places in the past two weeks. So they're getting in the ring with him. It's not, you know, like they're not, it doesn't end well. Um, so, that's why you have to do an honest assessment of yourself. And you have to recognize that if someone is beating you in the game and you can't contend with them, you better find an exit strategy to get out of that game. Unless you go, okay, you know, I'm going to take some hits here, but I'm going to learn. That's okay. As long as you recognize that and you don't get taken advantage of the point where you get left, you know, left for dead. Next one's from Logan Buell, B-U-H-L. How often should you be assessing if you're winning the long game? How should you view the small games that seem meaningless that involve or impact the long game? Look, we should be thinking strategic all the time, all the time. We should be thinking about the long game all the time, and we should not be playing games that don't move you towards this strategic goal. Does this mean don't, don't, uh, ever watch a TV show because it's not helping your strategic goal? Well, no, if you if you need a little downtime and the TV show helps you relax, cool, go ahead, watch your freaking show. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not a game, right? That's a break, and it's a strategic, or it's, a, it's a tactical break that's gonna actually gonna give you, you know, allow you to refresh your mindset and be ready for work and blah, blah, blah. Now look, if you're watching freaking uh, Netflix six hours a day, you got issues. Yeah. We're not doing that. No. So you should be thinking all the time. This is very. This is a really good question. Of course, we address this question a lot. Think about the games that you're playing, and if you're playing games that don't help your big game, your strategic game, you should not be wasting time with them. That's it. That's it. All of your games that you're playing should help your long-term strategic goals. And it, and look, if you got time and you happen to love freaking backgammon, Hell yeah. and you get some satisfaction by playing backgammon, and you want to go play that literal game, mm-hmm. and you do it, you know, once in uh, two hours on Sundays with your little friends, cool. That's nothing wrong with that. That's cool. Have fun with that. That's fine. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your doing things. You're going out Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, going out looking for a girl, going out looking for a dude, right? And that's what you're doing Thursday, Friday, you're drinking. But you're in that game. You're wasting money, you're hurting your health. And by the way, if you think you're gonna meet the love of your life, there's better ways than in the pub. No, I did happen to meet my wife. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I guess there's a little except maybe, you know, but we're not going to dedicate. We're going to be careful about this one. We're going to be careful about that one. Yeah, we're going to be careful. Hey, at a certain point, the ROI, right? Okay, yeah. so this is what will happen. You do, you've been doing this Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, drinking, spending money, year, two years, two years you're looking around going, hold on a second here, man. Yeah. Three years you're like, wait a second. Yeah. I haven't made any progress. <laughs> then it's time to may assess what the hell you're doing. So those tactical games that you're playing, they've got to support your long-term strategic goals. That's it, a long game. I like the idea of uh, like, Little, uh, like you mentioned, backgammon, mm-hmm. right? Where, which is funny. I don't know. That's a, that's a total Jocko example. I don't even like. <laughs> I don't even understand backgammon. Yeah, I can, okay. It's, it's a, a weird bo- board with like a long triangles on it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 yeah they're it's fun, but no, a lot of those, especially the old school like board games, mm-hmm. they're actually good little micro like exercises for your mind. So okay. like you know you you you, you subscribe to Doctor Luke, right? Dr. Yeah, yeah. Luke on Instagram yeah, yeah. on his thing. So he 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 man, he'll put out some really good stuff, little mm-hmm. tidbits, right? Mm-hmm. So one of them was this uh, thing about balance, where he's like, yeah, just work on your balance. And I think he's like on a curb or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I forget what he was doing, but he was like just talking about balance, physical, your physical balance, yep. proprioception. Just yep. so he's like, yeah, if you improve that, that decreases all cause mortality. Oh just yeah, d- maintaining. You know that that, and it has a lot to do with like you know your your neurotransmitters and your neurons and stuff like that in your brain. I don't know above my whole thing, but mm. nonetheless, <laughs> he explains it real simple. And it's like, man, you, if you think about it, especially those old school games, like that's kind of what they do. If you if that's your downtime, like backgammon, it's like, bro, that's kind of a oh, solid you're like one. running numbers in your head. Yeah, or there's something? strategy, there's math, there's like all these little things that give your brain this good ex- these this good mm-hmm. essentially exercise for your brain. Again, yeah, all those things. Ones. All those things are important. Uh, you know, learning new things. They say that's really important. Mm-hmm. You know, just for keeping your mind fresh. Yeah. Um, now, if if you're knee, if you're stressed out and you need to know, you know, the current champ of backgammon, <clears throat> you know, and you're following his life, and maybe that could go into toxic, you know, uh, toxic zone for sure. As far as <laughs> bro, if there's someone goes. that's wrecked their life playing backgammon, I want to meet him. <laughs> If there's someone that went too hard <laughs> yeah. in backgammon. Yeah. So I think I think like in a way it's kinda it's a lot like surfing is you know, when you take a break from the grind, you know, stuff that you need a break mm-hmm. from and then you go like do something like surfing, where it's obvious, oh well surfing is conducive to your life. It's not like yeah. sitting on the couch yeah. watching reality. It's TV healthy or you're working like on your that. balance. Exactly right. But playing games, certain games, are the same exact thing. Just more for your brain. What about video more. games? Well, it depends on what video game. Mm. That's what they say. You could go deep. You could go deep looking into that. You'll see. You'll find all kinds of benefits with certain kinds of games. Video what kind games. of games are good for you? Video games. I don't know. I didn't go that deep, but every <laughs> once in a while, <laughs> you'll see little articles Bro, on like how I can. That was the, that was the least depth ever. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. They, that's true. But no, you you know you can like find articles or whatever um, that will say oh benefits of playing video games. And it'll have like you know hand eye this and that, and then you know then you find out yes it's certain kinds of games mm-hmm. and then you have all these secondary uh uh benefits as well like you know especially the like the shooter games that you're connected to your friends or whatever and yeah. other like you know towns or whatever over the internet you ever play that stuff no yeah i guess there's little secondary benefits of that social yeah connection. yeah yeah like that kind yeah of that stuff. was weird during covid when kids were like 
the parents were, were saying, hey, don't play video games all day. And they're like, but this is the only way I have friends, right? Yeah. That was the thing. Yeah, yeah. We, I don't have sure. video game, like console at my house. Sure. So that wasn't happening at my house. Because yeah. we don't have that stuff. But, but I saw real. other parents were saying that to their their kids. Were like, they were talking to me about it. Like, well, do you feel bad with your kids not with your kids playing video games? Like, my kids don't play video games. Because yeah. we don't have the thing. Yeah. Yeah, but and not to say that that's ideal. I'm, you know, not necessarily. No, maybe that, it was bad. Maybe I should have given them more social connection. But you know, come on, man. Well, yeah, I don't think you can. Then again, I don't know, bro. I'm not a psychologist. You know this about me. That where <laughs> I, I would, but I do think that <laughs> social connection is going to be most optimized person to person. I would think. That's why the more so than through a screen. That's why the jujitsu is good. I think that's one of the many, many, many benefits of it. Yes. It's weird, man. Jujitsu is connected. Yeah, big time. Like it's, you're like connected. You ever, and you're different, so I don't know, but. You're actually, smashing someone, like, the, and they're smashing you. Yeah. It's, just, it's, a, it's a radical thing. So you know when you meet someone and like you shake their hand or whatever, and then let's say you're just standing somewhere, it's like, you don't know them that good, so you're kind of keep, trying to keep your boundaries, you know, mm-hmm. the bubble, you know, the phys, you know, the bubble, right? Your, what do you Bro, call I it? Personal, personal space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But, you know, when you meet someone new, you want to respect personal space a little bit. You're more sensitive to that, I guess, you know. Mm. Bro, when you roll with a guy in jujitsu, like, it kind of just dis- – it's like oh, they yeah. don't even – you don't even have a bubble For anymore. Sure. You don't have personal space. Yeah. Even, like, when you're not rolling. It's funny. So, like, like you or – like, the guys who I always roll with, you, Greg, Noah, like, these guys. Like, I remember one time I was talking to Noah, and mm. I was like, bro, I'm really close to <laughs> Noah right now. And it's almost like I couldn't engage it because I'm so used to rolling with him, you know. Yeah. So, like, the personal space is, like, completely gone. And I think it's in a good way. But I guess that could depend on who you are. Yeah, check. True. Sure. All right, so yes, long game all the time. Uh, Caleb Smith five four seven. How do I how how do how do know how do I know when it's time to quit the game? What are the symptoms of a game played that will ultimately lead to the inv- inevitable loss of time money? Uh, go it goes back to what we talked about ROI. Be honest, honest assessments. This is the sunk cost fallacy, right? This is exactly what you brought up earlier. Um, in, in, okay, so. Again, some of these questions are a little bit repetitive, but I want to add some items to them. This one here, if you want to know when it's time to quit the game and what are the symptoms, it can be good in some scenarios to set up triggers for action. And this, the example of this is like, you know when guys are climbing a mountain, like Mount Everest or whatever, mm-hmm. and they say, hey, if we haven't gotten to this point by 10 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. we're turning around and going back. There's no... We're not debating it. Yeah. There's no there's no emotion around it. Ten o'clock. If we're not here, we're turning around. We're going back down. You can do that with the game that you're going to get involved in. You can hey, I'm going to only spend this amount of money. I'm only going to spend this amount of time. I'm going to at least if I'm not making this kind of return on investment, like hey, I'm going to start driving you know Uber at night, mm-hmm. and that way I can get some more money you know for for my down payment on my house. Well, then you realize that your ROI, driving around your Uber is not as much as you thought it was going to be. Hey, I'm not even meeting the minimums. This isn't working. I'm not going to do it. So figure out what the minimum required return is. Figure out how much time you're going to invest and put a cap on that. Figure out how much money you're going to invest and put a cap on that. And then you, and then you have the actions in place that you're going to take. So when that happens, that event gets triggered. Hey, I'm going to... You know, invest in uh, 
trying to st- start up this little company. If I haven't, you know, if I don't have 20 clients by the first three months, obviously there's not a market for it and I'm gonna stop. Okay, cool. And then you stick with it. Look, if you get to 19, you're like, well, I'm close. Okay, cool. You know, you can, you can make a little adjustment. But if you're at 13, it's been three months and you thought you were gonna have 20, and you've made a bunch of adjustments trying to figure out the market and you're not there, okay, you need to walk away. So that would be uh, the thing to set up so that you recognize the symptoms prior to, because otherwise, if you don't have triggers in place, that's how you end up at the top of Everest, you're out of oxygen and it's freaking dark Mm. and you're gonna die. That's how you end up without any money left in your bank account and you don't have a successful business and now you gotta sell your house this is how it happens. You don't put triggers in place and it causes problems. Uh, next one, Chadida, Chadidia, or maybe it's Chad Idia. <laughs> what direction do you go if you realize the games you are playing are unwinnable but you don't have the ability to leave and if you did, you don't know the game to take on next, asking for a friend. Uh, listen, when we get into a game that's unwinnable, we don't have the ability to leave? Okay, we'll figure out an exit strategy. You can leave a game, right? You can figure out, okay, this job, I've been here forever, they pay me good money, but it's absolutely awful, I'm never getting promoted and I don't wanna do it anymore. Okay, you can't leave tomorrow, you can't leave next week, you can't leave in a month, but you can, over time, a year, two years, three years, figure out an exit strategy and make a move. We're not doing brash moves. Right? We're not making emotional decisions. We're gonna take our time, how to get out of this game, and then also take our time figuring out what game to play next. To do a class on uh, knitting. And you're like, dude, this is awesome. I love the way this feels to make the scarf and like I wanna do sweaters and okay, well, go do some more of that. Maybe you're gonna end up selling sweaters on Etsy. Sure. Cool. Or you take a knitting class, you're like, this is monotonous and I hate it. Okay, cool. Well, let's take some time to figure out the new game, little iterative decisions, and also multiple reconnaissance probes. There's so many opportunities out there in the world. There's so many of them. And not all of them are good opportunities, by the way. Some of them might seem cool, but they're a lot harder than they look like. Some of them are harder than they look like, but they're not that bad and you can make some good money and you can be gratified by doing it. So do multiple reconnaissance. Like, oh, you like knitting? Cool, try a little bit of knitting. You also like making candles? Cool, make some candles. You also like pouring concrete? Okay, well let's see what's going on with that. Maybe on the weekends you start pouring a little concrete, doing some little projects for people for real cheap and you realize you're good at it. Maybe you realize you suck at it, which is also possible. So do reconnaissance of multiple opportunities that are out there. Then you make your decision. And then you have that exit strategy to execute. Next one is from Renee Christine. Maybe you can talk about the thought process you go through in order to turn something hard into a game. (laughs) Yeah, when I'm doing something really hard, I'm gonna find some little achievable goals Little achievable goals that lean towards uh, strategic victory. Maybe set up some rewards for me, for my team, and then execute on those little things. I think that 
that mindset of like, I'm literally gonna have fun with this thing that sucks goes a long way. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so I don't have, uh, that's my process. Like, oh yeah, this sucks. You know another thing is, this sucks and I'm never gonna let anybody know that I think it sucks. I'm doing something horrible, but I'm never gonna tell anybody. And I'm actually gonna make them think I love it. They're gonna think I'm crazy. I kinda have fun with that. That's fun for me. I just turned it into a game. That's such a good game. No, it's, it's a right. good game. So, um, so when I swim in the pool with my kids, mm-hmm. and nowadays it's kinda colder than normal, mm-hmm. okay? Look, cold, that means a lot of different things to different <laughs> people. I understand, and I am from Kauai, so I understand that going into this story. For you, it's like under 70. So I would say it's about 55 degrees. Oh, okay. That's cold. That's legit. cold, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. legit cold. So <clears throat> I jump in. My daughter can stand cold. Like, she don't care. Yeah. Cold does Shits not bother care. her. Here's the thing. My son, he don't like that. Oh. He doesn't like cold. So I'll, we'll jump in, and I'll jump in first, and she'll be like, is it cold? I'll be like, oh, it's so warm. Meanwhile, I'm like, bro, this motherfucker is cold. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's so warm. It's almost too warm, yeah, you know, like that kind, yeah, right? And they're yeah. like, oh, believe it. And the more convincing I can be, meanwhile, I'm trying not to shiver, you know? Yeah. And it's like it. It almost like physically feels warmer. For sure. You know I'm saying like it's like the game kind of filters in the the bad stimulus, turns it into like a different stimulus. Bro, that's a good one yeah. right there to act like. Oh, this isn't even a fact. Well, like what? I didn't even notice. I didn't in even buds, notice. They would say false motivation is better than no <laughs> motivation. Because it's kind of true, right? <laughs> it is, it's absolutely true. There's a girl, uh, a lady named Jane McGonagall. She talks about gamification. It's an actual process mm. where you take hard stuff, you turn them into little games, yep. and you get through them. Like. You, you know, you, you thrive, whatever. And she did it because she had an illness. I forget the illness. And she was like, hey, I'm going to turn this whole thing, this is my whole recovery process, which was super arduous process. I'm going to turn this recovery process into a series of games. And that's how she started on the path of, like, understanding gamification. Mm-hmm. But um, there's an actual process to it. And it's, like, Check. apparently it's super, super effective. Let's do one more. And then we're we'll go and do another one because um, I got a bunch more of these things to cover. But let's do one more. This is kind of a, a little bit of a chunky one. This is from Santos Carlos III. When solid, honorable, hardworking men refuse to play the game because, quote, there shouldn't be a game, how to navigate the dichotomy and dogma around progression as tenure versus progression through experience. This is a, a little bit tricky of, uh, of a question to understand, but I'm gonna do my best with it. And there's, he says, context. Some of the most knowledgeable, talented, and experienced people I've worked with were both years and decades younger in tenure. However, they spent so much time consistently exposing themselves to challenging problems, they progressed well beyond the 99 percentile anyone their age. So that's the, that's the dogma around progression as tenure versus progression through experience. So it's time versus, it's really about effort because experience is sort of wrapped around time. So to answer that, uh, People that engage and train and practice and challenge themselves will get better than people that don't. <laughs> the re- and and he, so there's a dogma. He's like, the dogma around that, and I think what he's trying to ask is like the negative, what the negative impression of people that work really hard, don't have much time, but they're excelling. That's what I'm getting from this question. I hope I've 
I hope I've got it. Uh, the reason that that sometimes hurts people that are like, let's say Echo checked on board, he hasn't been here for very long, but he's really kind of kicking ass, and yet I kind of hold it against him, why is that? There's a decent chance that Echo, Echo has the, he's exposing himself, he's training hard, he's putting himself in challenging positions, so he's learning a lot and he's doing really well, but Echo doesn't have the maturity and tact to remain humble. <laughs> so you end up creating an antagonistic relationship with me because I'm looking at you like, oh, he's just one of these people that's tried so hard and I'm gonna look for every little opportunity to hurt your progress. So if you wanna overcome the way that works, or you wanna help someone, you know, you get some new guy on your team that checks in that is really doing a good job but is rubbing people the wrong way, just talk to him about staying humble. And it's talking about the importance of building good relationships, and that will be helpful. So, I hope that answers the first question. Again, these are a little bit, uh, a little bit. I didn't quite fully understand them. the The second question is an observation more than a question, but it's interesting how many miss the opportunity of chasing forward-looking asymmetrical opportunities, opportunities with limited risk but potential huge upsides and a relative solid likelihood of success. Why is that? So why do people miss opportunities that have low risk? And I think there's a couple reasons. Number one is failure to recognize. Like they just don't see them because they don't detach. And so the opportunity's right in front of them, they don't see it. You know, that's the old experiment where the freaking gorilla goes walking through the people that are throwing the basketball and like no one sees it. Because they're in, they're watching the counting the numbers and they don't see this obvious thing. So there's a failure to recognize because people don't detach enough. And then on top of that, sometimes they see the opportunity, but they don't want it. Even a limited risk, they don't want to take. Even a small risk with a big reward, they don't want to take. We, mm. we see that all the time. Humans don't like, humans tend to not want to take action and humans tend not to want to take risk. Mm. <laughs> I, not all humans, let me, let me rephrase that. There are many humans that don't like to take action and there are many humans that don't like to take risk. And so when they're presented an opportunity but they're gonna have to do something a little bit different and they're gonna have to take risk, they're just like, I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I think that is why that happens. So there you go, Santos. I hope I was able to kinda get those for you and uh with that it's a game for this time i guess we're gonna have to do one more podcast about the game the game the games here we are in the meantime if you want to play the health game the fitness game the being better game the stronger faster better game better get the jocko fuel game jockofuel.com we got mulk which is we got ready to drink mulk right now which is fire different level different fire fire slaps Oh, it slaps big slaps time. Big. You, like, you, you open your fridge, maybe you could you know, have a piece of steak, maybe you could have some uh, mozzarella. Sure, right? hell yeah, mozzarella. Mozzarella with the virgin olive oil on it. Oh, what, those little things? Yeah, with the, yeah, with put the a little dinner. basil on it. Yeah, that's the kind of my thing. <laughs> Sarah made those the other day. It's good. Like two days in a row, yeah, those are good. But, there's a, I'm, look, 
I'm going to put myself on report for being lazy. Yes, sir. But there's like, you know, you're cutting basil, leaves, whatever. You're sure. getting the oil out. You're making a plate. All That milk is just sitting there ready. Yeah. 30 grams of protein. Yeah. Ready to go down the hatch. Tasty. Tastes better than mozzarella. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is a given. Yep. So we got the ready to drink milk. Mm. We got the powder milk. We got joint warfare, super krill, um, cold war. Got it all. Yep. And we got the energy drinks. Yeah. We got the energy drinks. So, but these aren't the normal energy drinks that make you sick and make you diabetic and are poison. No. These are not those. In the store, are these in the health department? Bro, this is a good point. The you When you go into a store, when you go into a vitamin shop, well, vitamin shop, they're there and pretty easy to find. But when you go into like a military commissary, you go into Hannaford, you go into HEB or Murphy's or, or Meyer. In some of these stores, they're in like the health and wellness section. Yeah. They're not in the energy drink section. So yeah. just be advised. Yeah, that's kind of interesting, right? What's the, I mean, the conundrum, right? Uh, from a store standpoint or from a, what do you call, customer standpoint? Well, from a customer standpoint, well, from a store standpoint, they're like, oh, well, this energy drink we'll put over in the energy drink sec- section because it's, it's all these are the same. Right. But we also have a health and wellness, things that make you better. Yeah. And we know where this belongs. Yeah. It's so true. they're kind of right. They're right. Either way, they're right. But it would be nice if they could give the consumer the visibility on like, oh, I have a healthy option that I can go to here. Yeah. Well, I guess so. it kind of depends, right? Well, ideally both, but, you know, then logistically, right? Kind of, kind of. But yes, look, if I go in, I don't know. I don't know about the goes yet. Mm-hmm. I go in, I just want an energy drink. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want You're the sugar-free. I'm just going to go, you know, I go, and then I see the new go, sugar-free, all the good stuff. It's it's good for you. Yeah. It's like, bro, I'm choosing that one all day. All day. Energy drink. But at the same time, if I'm like, bro, I'm I'm not down for energy drinks. No. I'm down for the healthy one. Yeah. Healthy stuff, the kombucha or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what are the healthy, yeah. <laughs> other healthy things. But anyway, and then they're going to see that, boom, they're going to grab that one as well. Yeah. See what I'm saying? So they got to be there. So I don't yeah, know. The, I the hard thing is, is like you get into this business, yeah. that sh- all that shelf space is like accounted for. It yeah. means something. Yeah, it's like every little it. slot that they have in any of these stores mm-hmm. has value. There's a value that slot. So they're like, mm-hmm. hey, look, uh, we can't put you in both of what you want the whole, so you want this to be, what one we put in the meat section too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know sure. what I'm saying? <laughs> what we put in the produce. Look, yeah, it's, yeah. It's so a, it should it's be in the science. produce section. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Maybe. <laughs> but I, so I'm looking for orange juice, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> but this, the, uh, what we call the freshly squeezed. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking for. If you go in the juice section. You get the ones with the pulp. <laughs> I don't. My wife does. I don't. But you go in the juice section. There's three juice sections, by the way, in the supermarket. Huh. Yeah. You don't know that because you don't go in the supermarket. No, I don't. But, so you go in the juice section with a grit, um, like in the refrigerator-ish section. Uh-huh. So there's your, uh, what do you call them? I don't know. I forget the brands offhand. But Welch's. There's some Welch's in there. Tropicana. There's Tropicana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simply Orange. Okay. Simply Grapefruit. All these juices, right? There's that section. It's the refrigerator. Or you can go to the cranberry juice, the cran grape, the cran cran apple, okay. the lemon juice. That's in a whole. That's in the aisle. It's a different section. And then if you want the freshly squeezed, oh, you're over in like you the gotta, organic area. Yeah, like yeah. Not, it's like in the fruit and vegetable section. Kind of, it's weird, right? So it's like it's kind of one of those things. You kind of got to know what you're there for and know yeah. who you're providing for at the same time. And we got to do a better job of letting you know to take a look around. Maybe ask the clerk, the ask stock some, person, ask somebody. You know. Say, hey, where's this? Where's the? Where's the go at? Yeah. Where's the Jocko fuel at? 
So there you go. You can get it at jockofuel.com. You can get it at Wawa. You can get all these places. You know you can get it. Go get it. Make yourself better. OriginUSA.com. Geese. Boots. Jeans. Rash guards. All made in America. Not made by slaves. Yeah. There's actual slavery in the world right now. Uh, it's, it's, it's happening. Literally. So literally. Um, so Pete, our boy Pete was on Andy Frisella uh Real AF, mm-hmm. the, the podcast. Yep. Really yep. good. Like and he uh that was a good podcast, by the way. Um he's he put it a really good way. I don't think I've ever heard this before. Um he was like, Hey, yeah, you know, like America, yeah, we ended slavery, but slavery didn't end. We just we just shipped it offshore. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So, like, we're letting the out-of-country slaves do the, a lot of the work now. I'm like, dang, when you think about it, bro, that's true. Oh, it's 100% true. Damn. It's 100% true. Uh, we don't want that. Yeah. We don't want that. OriginUSA.com. End slavery. That's what we're doing. Get on board. Jeans, boots, hunt gear. The hunt gear, let's face it. <laughs> you can't not wear that hunt gear. Every time it. I see your dumbass. Yeah, we're just wearing it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep, All that's good. what we're doing. Uh, the hunt gear. So check that out. Also, apparently I have a store. It's called Jocko Store. Check. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's when you want to represent this whole pat the source. That's what it's called now. Mm, the source. Interesting. Um, yeah, discipline equals freedom, you know, good, all these things. They represent certain mindset, I guess you could say. I don't know. Check it out. Jocko Store. Mm-hmm. That's where you can get some. So we have a shirt locker as well. Subscription service. Different designs. A little bit funner from time to time. Sometimes they're darker. But it's a new design every month. A little bit more emotional. One direction or the other, apparently. Yeah. From time. Yeah, we switch it up for sure. Do you feel good when you nail it? Sure. Yeah. And you get the good feedback. Yeah. Even for me when I go, yep. Yep. That's a good one. The answer is yes. I do like that a lot. For sure. Uh, JockoStore.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget about JockoUnderground.com. There's there's censorship. There's control of the platforms. There's drama out there. We're not in the drama. Look, we're doing our job. But if somebody wants to ban us, they could do it tomorrow. We don't control their platforms, but we control ours. JockoUnderground.com. If you want to go check that out, you can listen to this podcast, some other podcasts that we do on there. It costs $8.18 a month. If you can't afford it, it's okay. We still want you in the game. Email assistance at jockounderground.com. We got a YouTube channel. Origin USA has a YouTube channel. We got Psychological Warfare. Flipside Canvas got a bunch of books. You know what they are. Echelon Front. It's our leadership consultancy. And don't forget that we have online training. We have online leadership training, online life training, Extreme Ownership Academy. Take ownership of your life. Go to extremeownership.com. I'm on there Mondays doing live Q&A. You want to ask me a question about your business, about your life, about jujitsu, about your your boss, about your employee, about your husband, your wife? Come and ask me. Extremeownership.com. There you go. There's a bunch of courses to take as well. And also, if you want to help service members active and retired, you want to help their families, Gold Star families, check out Mark Lee's mom, Mama Lee. She's got a charity organization, which is awesome. And if you want to donate or you want to get involved, go to americasmightywarriors.org. And don't forget about another .org, Heroes and Horses. Micah Fink up there. And where is he right now? Oh, he's, he's horseback in the mountains, in the wilderness, with some veterans helping find their souls. So go to heroesandhorses.org if you want to help that out. We're on the interwebs. Echoes at Echo Charles. He's back on Twitter after he freaking made a rookie mistake. It was a hard time for everybody. Yeah. 
Rookie mistake. Yeah. For a computer guy. Yeah. Brutal. It can happen to anybody, I guess. Even the strongest have their moments of fatigue. And you just got mentally distracted? It's a metaphor. But is that what happened? I was fatigued. You were tired? I was fatigued. Legit? (laughs) Hey, man, the best of us get caught slipping. Would you rather admit admit being tired or dumb? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Echo Charles is back on Twitter. He feels like maybe he's lost some of his uh, clout in the social media world because he has 19 followers now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm at Jocko Willink. Hey, listen, when you go on there, just watch out for the algorithm. That's not a game that's going to help you. Mm. That's not a game that's going to help you. The algorithm game is going to win. Don't let it. And uh, thanks to all the military members out there worldwide protecting our way of life. Thank you for your continued service. And thanks also to our police and law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, dispatchers, correctional officers, border patrol, secret service, all first responders. Thank you for protecting us here at home. And to everyone else out there, remember there's a lot of games being played. You are playing them. So pick the right games to focus on. Don't waste time on games that don't matter. And when it comes to the games that do matter, play to win. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko out.